Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the message today. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit lhachurch.com. Isaiah 53 is where we're going to spend uh, the, the portion of our focus this morning and our, our time together around the word. Isaiah 53 Isaiah 53, beginning in verse number 5, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today as we've come together in this place, we want to just say thank you that we could come together as brothers and sisters Thank you, Father, we could come together and be in this place of worship and lift up your name together. Thank you for your presence that's here with us. We thank you, Father, now for your word, for it is a lamp for our feet and a light for the pathway. It is our guidebook as we walk this journey of life. Father, today I pray that we would hear from your heart. And Father, I ask you today just to speak to us in this room. And I pray, Father, you will accomplish everything you've intended. We ask it all in the incredible name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen and amen. For our time together this morning, I want to share for a few minutes with you on the human paradox. Now, paradox is one of those words that... uh, you often know what it means, but it's often difficult to come up with a definition. Put that thought into practice. I went around the office on Thursday asking everybody in the office, define for me what a paradox is. And I got the same expression from everyone. <laughs> It was that look of, well, I I know what it means, but to try to put it in words, and everybody seemed to struggle to come up with a definition that was clear, including myself. So I went to the trusty dictionary. By definition, a paradox is a seemingly absurd statement or proposition that when investigated may prove to be true. A seemingly absurd statement that when investigated may come to be true. Actually, Christianity is full of paradoxes. One example is this. Jesus, he's fully God and yet fully man. The Bible is God-breathed yet it is written by the hands of men. 
Matthew 5 gives several paradoxes to us. Blessed are the poor. How many of you know, how many of you have been poor before? How many of y'all know we usually don't equate blessing with poor, do we? That's usually not what we call it. But the Bible says, blessed are you when you are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, he goes on and says, are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Here's one. Blessed are those who are persecuted. How many of y'all know we usually don't take that as a blessing either, do we? So the natural mind, these statements seem absurd. When Jesus said, blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, Jesus said, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Jesus went on further to say, when you lose your life, that's when you really find it. Jesus told Nicodemus when he came and said, what must I do to enter into the kingdom? Jesus said, you must be born again. Now these are all truths that to the natural mind seem to be an absurd statement. But in reality, when you investigate the truth behind the statement, you find them to be very true. This morning, I want us to look at one of the truths that makes the church distinctive from any other organization around the world today. It's a truth that, frankly, reveals things to us that don't make sense to the natural mind, and that's because they are spiritually discerned. Our natural minds always seem to reject these truths. It's the human paradox. God's way compared to our way. God's way seems absurd to man. God's ways are not logical to man. It's not rational to man's understanding. Probably the greatest example of a paradox is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ is a truth that separates the church from any other group in the world today. So what does the gospel say concerning Jesus Christ? What does it declare What are the paradoxes that we find in the Gospels? The first one I would submit to you today is this. We all need a Savior. Now here lies the paradox and the struggle because we're not really convinced that we need to be saved, especially when things are going well. Have you ever shared the gospel with someone and said, you need to be saved? And they're like, saved? Saved from what? The truth is today, if things are going well in your life, if you're in good health and you're financially secure and your relationships are going well in your life, we wonder, well, 
what would I really need to be saved from? The truth is you and I are so blessed to live in America. Today we have a roof over our heads. Most of you rode in an automobile here today. You had the air conditioning on along the way. You rode in comfort. Now you come into this building. You sit in comfort. The air conditioning is running and everything's comfortable and everything's nice. And we are blessed, 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 blessed. But I would submit to you today there is a need, a need for a Savior, though we are blessed. Though things are going well, we are blessed, but in the midst of the blessing, there is an incredible need in our lives for a Savior. That truth is found in the fact that the human race today is running swiftly down a path towards eternal destruction. Our text this morning, Isaiah 53 and verse 6, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. Now, if you've ever studied or you have any knowledge of sheep, I know you came today to be encouraged. We'll get there in a minute. Have you ever found that sheep are dumb? Is it any wonder that he compared us to sheep? Sheep will think, oh, that grass over there is a little bit greener. I'm going to go over there and eat. Well, that that looks like a more comfortable place to lay down. That looks like a better place to reside. So I I think I'm going to head over there, kind of do my own thing. I know the shepherd told us to stay here and all the other sheep, but I'm just going to kind of go off by myself here a little bit. The Bible says all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, speaking of Jesus, the sins, notice this, of us all. We need a Savior because we are lost in sin. That's why Jesus Christ came to be our Savior. Luke 19 and verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it was prophesied he will save his people from their sins. The reason we're lost is because we've sinned against God. Now, I understand today that you've come to this place and we've made a special effort to be here. I would venture guess the majority of us that are gathered together in this room have experienced the transforming work of Jesus Christ. But the truth is, in my life and in your life, we've all sinned. I've sinned and you've sinned. All mankind has sinned against God. The Bible declares this truth to be found in Romans 3 and verse 23. For everyone, somebody say everyone. For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Romans 3 and verse 10. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. Without Jesus Christ, we are all 
sinners in the sight of God. There's a truth that you and I must understand. We, we are not sinners because we sin. And this is a very important truth for you and I to grasp because if we don't grasp this truth, then you will try works to make yourself better. You'll try to do works to make yourself acceptable to God. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Our very nature is sin. We are born sinners. Psalm 51 and verse 5 declared it this way, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. The truth has been told that an apple tree is not an apple tree because it bears apples but rather it bears apples because it's an apple tree. You and I sin because we are sinners at heart. So what's the problem? What's the big deal? One of the things in our world today is you need to be accepted for who you are and what you are, and I need to be accepted for who I am and what I am. So what's the big deal? with being a sinner. The Bible teaches us there's eternal punishment for sinners. Job 21 and verse 30, for the wicked are reserved for the day of doom. They shall be brought out on the day of wrath. Psalm 9 and 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell. Notice this, and all the nations, here's a really big word, that Forget God. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1. The Lord of heaven's armies says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. And on that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 through 9. He will come with his mighty angels and in flaming fire bring judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. How many of you know that's a strong passage? Revelation 20 and verse 15. Anyone, say anyone. Anyone, irrespective of age, sex, social status, titles, family heritage, anyone whose name. The Bible does not discriminate. God does not discriminate on the basis like man does. He makes a statement, anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. My friend, without Jesus Christ, there is no hope of an eternal destination in a place called heaven. The Bible is clear that sinners will perish into eternal separation from God. Everybody wants to go to heaven. You ask people, are you going to heaven? Well, sure. 
We've often heard people say, well, I hope so. Many say, I'm not a bad, I'm not a, I'm not a great sinner. I've really never done anything really bad. Definitely, I've never done anything bad enough to deserve hell. Yesterday, last night, in America, we saw tragedy. Many lives were taken out at the hands of individuals yesterday. The truth is, for us, if we'd be really honest, we'd say, that's something that deserves to go to hell over. But not me. I've never done anything compared to, I've never done anything that bad. But my friend, it's not the action, and I really want, I, I pray today you're able to grab a hold of this truth. It is not the action of sin that leads to hell, but rather it's the state of being a sinner. No sin can enter into the kingdom of heaven. You say, well, I don't do a lot of bad things. But I would ask you, are you not considered a lawbreaker in our society if you break even one law? You don't have to break many today when you leave this place. And you go down the road. This, uh, for the last week, every time we leave and go to, to lunch during the day, we pull out, out here on the 15. And, and the policeman from Jonesboro has been sitting right here. I just gave you a clue when you leave church today. And so today, if he's sitting there, just one street over, white car, lights on top of it, if you kind of pull out of J Street and as you look down the road, there's nobody coming and you just kind of ignore the stop sign and you just kind of roll right on out into 15. How many of you are probably going to get his attention? And he's going to give you a gift. (laughs) He's going to give that gift to you. Why? You broke the law. When you come to a stop sign, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to stop. If you don't stop, how many of you know there are repercussions for not stopping? After you've done that and you are free with your new gift from the police officer and you head on into town and the speed limit's 50 and you say, well, I got held up there. There's people waiting for us. I'm going to drive a little faster to get to the restaurant. I don't want them waiting at Texas Roadhouse on us too long. (laughs) And so you drive 60. And the Marion police officer is sitting down the road a little farther. And you go flying past him. And he says, they've had a party. I'm going to join the party with them. So he turns on lights and sirens to really up the ante. He pulls you over. He too gives you a gift. Now you don't have to do both of those things to be considered a lawbreaker. You just break one law. Often we say, well, you know, I've really not done anything bad. I've not really been a bad person. 
My friend, I would describe it for you this way. We are sinners by nature. That's why we needed a Savior. It is sin that separates man from God. God is in heaven, and without a Savior, you and I have no hope of heaven. The gospel, it's a picture of God's love and his grace to us, knowing that we are sinners and we're headed to an eternity separated from God. It is God in his love that he made a way of escape. The way of escape came through Jesus Christ. That's why we need a Savior. Second paradox I would describe for you today is this. There's only one way to God. Somebody say one way. There's not many ways. There's one way. You see, therein again lies the problem. Mankind has determined that there are many roads, and all these many roads lead to heaven. We often hear people say, well, what makes your road better than my road? And what makes your thought different than my thought? And, and I'm serving God too. We're all just kind of getting there in a different way. The Bible declares this. Salvation and the hope of heaven only comes through Jesus Christ. John chapter 10 and verse 9 declares it this way. Jesus said these words, Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. There is no other way. There are many who will try to get to heaven on their own. They'll say, well, I've been a good person. I've done a lot of good things. I've helped my neighbors. I, I was always to work on time, and I did whatever they needed to at work, and I've been great to help other people in a time of need, and I've done all these kinds of things, and I'd give anybody the sure of my own back. I, I do all these things. It's probably no time I cross this more, and you have experienced it as well, than when someone's life comes to an end. We stand and... Uh, often one of the trends uh, that has become very acceptable at a time when a funeral is we'll open up the floor and there'll be people in the room and they'll stand and we'll take a mic to them and, and they'll talk a little bit about the person. What a great and wonderful way to remember someone's life. But my friend, if we're only... Comparing our eternity and our destination in heaven on what we've done, we're going to be sorely disappointed. I hear the words often, well, they were such a good person, and I'm sure they were. They've done so many good things for other people, and I'm sure they did. But passage into heaven is not being a good person. There are those as well who stand on religion. They attend church. They even support the church financially. They come regularly. They sing. They go through the motions of worship. But friend, religion will not get you to heaven. Sitting on a church pew will not get you to heaven. There was a very religious man in Jesus' day by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus, and we find the example in John chapter 3 and verse 3. He said, what must I do 
to receive eternal life. Jesus replied to him these words, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He was very religious, but yet he had not found Jesus as Savior. The apostle Paul was probably one of the most recorded religious men of his day, but until he accepted Christ as his Savior and Lord, he was lost and headed for an eternity without God. My friend, sitting in a church pew will not get you and I to heaven. Being a good, upstanding, moral, right person will not get you there. Just because you and I may have lived a good life, because you've been a good husband or a good wife or a good neighbor, will not earn you anything when it comes to getting into heaven. You cannot earn heaven based on on your good works. If you could get to heaven just being a good person, then why did Jesus Christ have to die on the cross? If you could earn it, Jesus died in vain. My friend, we all believe in heaven, but have you found many don't believe in hell? If Jesus didn't die to spare you and I from an eternity in hell, then why did he die? You don't need his death on the cross if you can save yourself. Works won't get you there. Morality won't get you there. Being good won't get it. There's only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 describe it perfectly clear. There is salvation, notice this, in no one else. When men and women say today, when the media says today, when uh, it is socially acceptable to say today, there are many ways to get to God. The Bible is clear. There's salvation in no one else. No one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There's no other way, my friend, to heaven except a relationship with Jesus Christ. It can't be earned, merited, or worked enough for. Jesus said these words in John 14 and 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other religious leader. There's no other religious uh, practice no other higher power. He is the one and only way. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. I tell you that today, not based on my opinion, because frankly, my opinion means absolutely nothing. I can only tell you that because that's what the Word of God tells us today. Thirdly, I would describe this paradox to you. Jesus Christ declares that only you can choose Christ for your life. Well, you know what? My grandma was a very religious person. My spouse is a very religious person. But the words of Joshua to the people of Israel declared it this way, choose today who you will serve. You must make the choice. 
I must make the choice. God has given each one of us a free will. God will not force you, my friend, to go his way. God will not force you to go to heaven. He won't make you go to heaven. God has given you and I a free will. He will let you go your own way if you want to go. But my friends, salvation has been provided for you. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you might be saved, I might be saved, so that we might have eternal life in Jesus Christ. But you must choose him. What do I mean by that? Just coming to the church, it's kind of it's like sometimes we get the thought, well, I've come to church, and if I'm there in the atmosphere, I just kind of become it because I'm there. Kind of like osmosis. I just, I just, it becomes a part of me because I'm in the place. My friend, you must choose. You must make a conscious, it does Christianity doesn't jump on you when you come to the church. Relationship with Jesus doesn't just jump on you when you come. You have to make a choice to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. The truth is when you go to the doctor, he'll write out a prescription for you, and that prescription is intended to help your body heal But the truth is, you have to choose to take the medicine if you're going to improve. I would declare to you today, if you and I are going to be saved, we must choose salvation. We must choose to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. John 1 and verse 12, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You must choose. Acts 16 and verse 31, they reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe that he can save you. Believe that he can forgive and wipe away your past. Believe that he can become the savior of your life. Believe that he can give you a brand new start. Truth is, today, he is the God of second chances. I encourage you to believe in his power to forgive. Believe in his power to make all things new. Believe in his power to turn your life around. This morning, as you've come to this place, maybe you know, maybe you know that you must be saved. Maybe the things that I have shared this morning, the truth is you have enough of that knowledge inside of you that you could have shared those very same thoughts. Maybe you have that information, but you've been putting it off for some time. Maybe you've been telling yourself, one day I'll give my life to Christ. 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 says this, Now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of of salvation. You know, last night as Paul and I sat um, in our home, as many of you did, and the news was on, and we were watching the news reports of the atrocities that uh, happened yesterday in, uh, in El Paso, and that was before the events transpired that, that happened in Dayton later in the evening. And we were sitting there, and I, I remember looking at Paula and specifically saying to her, isn't it, is it, isn't it amazing how 
fragile life is. There were people who got up this morning just like we did and going through their normal day and had no idea they would not make it till the end of the day. Wow. It's no wonder that the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the time because our life is fragile. The truth is I plan on living a good long time yet as I'm sure you do. Nobody gets up when the clock goes off and says, you know what, I think today is a good day to die. When the clock goes off, none of us are planning on it being our last day here on earth. We get up and we think, well, I'm going to go through the routines of the day and I've got these things on the calendar, and at the end of the day, oh, I will have accomplished A, B, and C, and I'll have all this done, and it's going to be a great day. None of us are planning on dying today. But the truth is, it may not come through an incident like happened yesterday in El Paso, but the truth is there will be people in the state of Indiana today that will be going through their day, and life will be over in a matter of minutes. How many times have we come across people who walking through a house? I remember when Paul and I were first married, her aunt, walking through the house doing laundry and walked through the house, everything's fine, everything's normal, carrying a basket of, uh, of laundry and had a brain aneurysm. And the doctor said that she was gone before her body ever hit the floor. We never know. And so I would... Share this today, my friend. Only you can choose Jesus Christ, and there's no better time than today to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Because the truth is, as much as I'm planning on living, my life is very fragile, and your life is fragile. We can be here today, gone tomorrow. There is no guarantees in this thing we call life. Only this guarantee. When this life is over, eternity begins. And so with that, I would ask you this morning, are you ready for eternity? Should today be the day for you? Should today be the day for me? Are you ready for eternity? Have you made preparations for today? Should today be the last day? Have you made the preparations that you need to make? Have you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If not, you can today. I would remind you of some things I shared with you earlier. It's not about work, so you can't do anything to earn it. You, there's not any works you can do. The Bible says if we believe in our hearts, Jesus, I trust that you can forgive me. Jesus, I trust you to be the Savior of my life. I choose today choose today to make you the Lord of my life. I'm choosing a new path for my life. I choose you as that path. Friend, if you've not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want to encourage you to do so today. I encourage you to do so today. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Friends, as we've gathered in this place this morning and uh, we are here we're gathered in this time, and we have these moments together today. I want to ask you today, my friend, are you ready for 
eternity. Are you ready should Jesus Christ return for the church or are you ready should this be your last day on this earth? I would ask you, are you ready? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you made him the hope of your life today? The truth is, I wish those people yesterday that experienced those atrocities had had one more day like today. One more church service. One more opportunity for somebody to share the gospel with them. It's that important. Friend, today I'm not, uh, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to do anything except to lead you towards Jesus Christ. So with your heads bowed, I want to ask you today, are you ready for eternity? Are you ready for eternity? Should Jesus Christ return for the church today or should you and I today physically walk through circumstances that we're not expecting today be our last day on this earth are you ready very simple this morning if you say pastor I'm concerned that I'm not ready for eternity would you please remember me in prayer friend would you just lift your hand right where you're at I'm not going to call you I'm not going to embarrass you yes yes you can put your hand down friends yes yes Yes. How many others? You might join these that have lifted hand and just say, please remember me in prayer today. Yes. How many others? Heavenly Father, this morning you see every person that's lifted a hand. Father, you know the circumstances of life that have brought us together today to this place. It is no accident that we're here together today in this place. Father, you have something you've wanted to speak to our hearts today. You brought us together to do just that. Father, I pray today, Lord, as the word says, today's the day we choose you. Pray, Father God, you'll give these that have lifted a hand and these maybe who haven't lifted a hand but need to. I pray, Father, today you'll give them the strength to make the choice and the decision to make Jesus Lord of their life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please keep your heads bowed? Here's what I want to do. I shared with you earlier, friend, you must choose. I can't, I, I can pray for you, but I can't make the decision for you. What I'd like for us to do is I'd like to lead us all in a prayer this morning, all across the room. And friend, if you lifted a hand, maybe you didn't, but, but you, you want to be a part of this. All of us this morning, we're going to pray a prayer. Listen, there's nothing magical about the prayer I'm going to pray 
God is listening today for your prayer. He's listening today from the words that come from you, not me. So all across the room, friend, if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, would you pray this prayer all across the house? Everyone's going to pray this prayer together. Let's pray it. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you came to be the answer for my life. So today, I choose to follow you. I choose to give you my life. I choose to walk away from who I've been. And I choose today to live the life you created me for. So I ask you today to come into my life. Forgive my sin. Make me ready for eternity. And I choose today to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, today... I want to tell you something. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, the really cool thing is God was listening for your prayer. God was listening for your heart, and God responds when we pray. God responds when we call. For those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, friend, I don't know what the rest of the day is going to be like, but if you've made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, you and I are prepared for eternity. And I rejoice with you. The Bible says, even when one soul repents, all of heaven rejoices. Yeah, there's a party that's going on in heaven today. They are rejoicing over what has transpired in this place and in your life today. For that we are thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for making us ready for eternity in heaven. Thank you for transforming us into your image. Thank you for all you've done for us. And Father, today as we've gathered in this house of worship, I just say thank you, Lord, for uh, all you've done for us. You have been so good to us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for working in us, making us brand new. Thank you, God, for giving us a second chance. Thank you even for the third and fourth and fifth and sixth chance. Thank you that you've always been so faithful. We love you. We thank you for all you've done. Thank you, Father, for being at work in this place today and encouraging our hearts and encouraging our lives. Father, we give you praise for all these things in the name of Jesus and all the church said together, amen. 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 May the Lord bless you today. May he keep you and may you be strong today in his joy. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus.